This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to yet another episode of HFC Chat, the podcast made by the fans for the fans. In today's episode, we will be looking back at the results from the Bank Holiday weekend, discussing what we thought and now think are our realistic ambitions and much more. Jack, for you, your exam period is now finally over, so we can look forward to a summer of content, hopefully backed by a promotion. We are delighted to welcome Mark Carroll to the podcast, and he will be joining us a little bit later on as we get his views on a few of our discussion points. Yeah, it's going to be great to have Mark on. We all know how knowledgeable and how big Mark's love for pools is. Also, now that uni's all done and dusted for the year, I can fully focus on what could be an extremely exciting running. Let's be honest, I don't think our title chances are 100% done. It's not completely over, but we can, you know, we can leave that to later. Firstly, a look back at the two games that saw a 3-1 triumph over Chesterfield. Firstly, you know, this was a game that was in front of the BT Sport cameras, one that we really needed to win. You know, first half, we did the job. We, we scored three goals. I didn't personally get to watch the game. Um, I've seen, obviously, the highlights, etc. And for me, some of the some of it was scrappy, but we took our chances, and, and that's all you can do. Coming away with a win was was the most important thing, and it was great to hear some of the pools fans, you know, outside the Vic afterwards enjoying another fantastic victory. Davo, what can you tell us about the game? Well, likewise, Jack, I can only comment upon the first half, really, because, as you know, I had to go for my second COVID vaccine at seven, meaning I missed the entirety of the second half. But like like you were saying, Jack, the first half didn't disappoint for us police, and I think it's fair to say we walked all over Chesterfield in their opening 45. Our intricate passing, our dominance on the right-hand side with Jamie Sterry and Lewis Cass, which is a little factors into what made it a great and dominant first half. A half which, as you know, runs the game, of course. And obviously, and sadly, this was preceded by a bank holiday trip down to tough opposition in Bromley, the result being a narrow 1-0 defeat to what is a well-drilled side. And now I know we both listened to the game, Jack, on BBC Tees, but you kind of got the feeling really from the off that this might be one of those days. Pearls really started so shaky. You know, Ravas called into action inside the first two minutes, and then the league's top goal scorer, Michael Cheek, having a goal ruled out for offside himself. But, you know, we did have chances ourselves. But like I've said, it was one of those days we had chances we didn't score. And arguably, you know, you've got to compliment the Bromley goalkeeper, Mark Cousins, who you could argue was the hero of the hour, who played a crucial role in the game for Bromley in, in winning them the game. 
I mean, uh, how do you feel about Jack? Yeah, listening to it again, I've got to totally agree with what you've said there. Keeper obviously had a blinder. Pools, you know, we're in that mindset the minute, the run that we were on, 16 games unbeaten, make, trying to make it 17. You know, we were, we're in a mindset that we could really beat anyone. And, and you know, we were going in on the back of a good win against Chesterfield, who are, are in good form. And I think one thing that we've got to remember is that it was only 48 hours after we played that game. You know, that has to be taken into account. Some players, DC mentioned about um, Reese Oates, they were unsure how long he'd get out of the game. He said he'd probably get half an hour, so they decided that to be the last um, half an hour. You know, he came on in the second half. Um, but Pools, Armstrong had a chance, which he could have tucked away, he should have tucked away, um, you know, especially with the ability he has. But this is one thing I know we've discussed off the podcast, Davo, about, you know, when you look at Twitter after the game, this is all opinions-based, but some people, the way they were saying things, it was as if we were really struggling and we're not in that playoff position when, you know, we've lost to a very well-drilled side, as he said, a side that is tough to go and get a result at. And we didn't embarrass ourselves. We pick ourselves up. We go again on Saturday, tomorrow, actually. And, and when this podcast comes out, it'll be the day of the game. But we've just got to keep backing the boys. There's four big games left. And I've got every confidence that we're going to bounce back and pick up a result against Maidenhead. We both thought that something, you know, that would be interesting to do would be to bring in a review of month by month this season to add something extra to the podcast. Before we delve into this, personally, I thought, you know, at the start of the season, a good season for us would be, definitely be at least top 10, as every Pulse fan would have wanted. It would end in promotion. I know for myself, if we had been told Pulse would be all being well cementing their playoff position with four games to go, I for sure would have snapped your hand off. Davo, what were your thoughts going into this campaign? Yeah, I completely agree with you, mate. Um, I had a similar target myself. I mean, obviously, I look back at last season uh, to gauge my opinion. Um, yeah, albeit it was curtailed after 39 games, but it's still seen us finish ninth and taken into account how well we were playing at the time, especially going on that run after the Solihull game and then etc. I would have loved this season for us to be in and around that position, if not just in and around the playoffs. But, you know, what we've seen this season and where we are heading into tomorrow's game in the Lagos, it's by far exceeded my initial expectations. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of probably all Pills fans. For sure. Well, back to our review, starting with October. It was a month which personally, I think, saw us get off to an absolute fly with nine league goals, six in the cup, three wins, one draw and one loss in the league. The month started with a triumph over Aldershot at home, which saw Nicky Featherston from the spot and Reese Oates both opening their accounts. The game ending 2-1 and a really positive start. We then managed to back this up with their second win coming from a trip to Chesterfield with yet again another 2-1 result. An own goal and Ryan Johnson completing the turnaround after being 1-0 down. Maidenhead, Saturday's opponents were next up and they were duly dispatched 4-0 with new signing and centre-back Ryan Johnson once again on the score sheet and making him, at that stage, joint top goal scorer Gav Houlihan and Claudio Afusu also opened their accounts up. Hopefully, we'll have a repeat of that tomorrow. 
But three games in, things were already looking good. Davo, you're going to take us through the rest of October's action. I certainly am. So the back end of October saw us draw twice and lose once in the National League with our only win coming on the 24th of the month, which of course was in the FA Cup fourth qualifying round away to Ilkeston, which as you know, finished 6-0. But just to quickly recap those National League games for you, on the 13th, we saw a 0-0 home draw with Bromley and then the game following, seeing another home draw this time against Altrincham with the game finishing 1-1. However, the biggest and probably the most... (sighs) Gospel talking point was the uh, the last home game of the month, which saw us battered 5-0 to now the National League leaders' talkie, a game which I'm sure it's fair to say was absolutely appalling from our point of view. But how times have changed, eh? Yeah, 100%. Hopefully we'll just continue to go from strength to strength again uh, from Saturday. Now, we introduced a very short but new section, namely Stats Corner. Sadly, our unbelievable unbeaten run came to an end on Monday. However, this run stretched back to the 20th of February when started with a 2-1 win at the Vic against Yeovil Town. This run consisted of nine wins and seven draws, with seven of those nine wins coming at what has turned into a fortress Victoria Park. Secondly, now argue with me on this one if you want, but he technically wasn't on the pitch at full time, so does it really count? But Pools suffered their first defeat since Gary Little returned to HFC. A quick word about him and a good time to bring in Mark. Thanks for coming on. How vital is Gary Little? He's out of the next game, but how big a part has he really played, not only on the pitch, but off it also? Well, first of all, Jeff, nice to invite me back on. I appreciate that. Um, a word about Gary Little, well, I think there's lots of things. Can I do him justice? Just how much of a quality player he actually is mm. and the important role he's played. I mean, I can remember him from the first first time he was here when we got him from Middlesbrough. You know, started playing as a, a, a full-back then into midfield. He, he's just a quality player and uh, to, to have him back was a great boost. But the, 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 since he's come back from his injury, you know, he he just looks above and beyond this level. I mean, the last home game, Danny, he had Danny Roney's back pocket for the whole the whole ninety odd minutes of the game. He he really is a quality player, so it will be a miss. I'm just thankful it's just a one game. It's a home game. Mm. Um, you know, hopefully we've the cover that we've got. The players are fit to come in, um, and we and we get to that game. And, and there's bigger games for him to come back to. Yeah, 100%. As he said, he's been a massive part of the squad and you can tell, you know, the impact that he has on players like Timmy Odessina playing next to him. And and he definitely has improved the quality of the back line. I think brought a lot of confidence to that. Another key discussion point that I guess you could say follows on from the Bromley game is Ryan Donaldson. Obviously, being the club captain, many would expect him to be in the team week in, week out. I think that's one big thing I like about you know, Dave Trainer is not afraid to d- drop you just because you're captain or a fan's favourite. As much as I've been a big fan of Ryan in the past, and I do not for one minute doubt his love for pools, we've seen that in a couple of passionate tweets put out last season, if I remember rightly. You know, I just feel we really haven't seen the full talent he has. As a leader, I feel Nicky Featherston has the better qualities for that. And I think it can allow, if Ryan gets more game time, the pressure to be off, so to speak. You know, add this to the fact that he hasn't been playing much injuries and under a lot of scrutiny. I think it's fair to say he had a good game by all accounts on Monday. I know Dave Challen mentioned the quality of his deliveries into the box in his post-match interview and I think that was a real positive to see him have a good game for the club. 
I'm not sure on his contract status, but unfortunately, and I don't want to speculate, but I feel he will be on his way out, especially if he's not under contract. Mark, what do you think about Ryan? How his time has been at the club? And if you think he will play much more in moving forward towards the end of the season? Yeah, well, when he's, when he's first come to the club, you know, there's, there's obviously qualities there. Um, he's, he's more now a, a utility player now. Um, this season, to be quite honest with you, I think if we, if we, if three of us are honest, he wouldn't get in any of our starting 11s mm. with, the, with the system we play now. You know, he wouldn't get in front of Jamie Sterry at, at uh, wing back. He wouldn't get in front of any of the current three midfielders. So he's a valuable squad player, and I'm sure you know, in the in the, the the changing rooms and whatnot, the training ground, you know, he is a he is a character and something the players respect. Mm. Um, I don't think he particularly played badly against Bromley. I, I thought he put a few good crosses in. He's not he's not a Jamie Sterry in that he's got that pace to really bomb forward. Um, I don't want to be too critical as I'm doing his doing his thing confusing me is I just wondered why the goal at the score just happened to be the time when he was off the pitch, mm. sort of changing his footwear and I wasn't too sure what was going on there. But I don't think you should pin any the reason why we lost against Bromley is because he was playing. You know, I don't you know, I don't think it's it's fair to go down that line. Um as I said, I think a squad player is Ryan Donaldson happy with being a squad player in the long term. Um not not so sure but I think it's gonna be a, a big decision in the summer. Mm. But for the for the time being I think, you know, as a squad player he's valuable because he can play he's one of those players, I don't know whether it's intentionally or not, but unfortunately he's, he's now a player that you can think, well we can play him in midfield or we can play him at full back, wing back. This time, I think the Stockport I think it was a Stockport game or there was a game recently he came when he was playing up front. I think it might have been um, home and tagging him in Redbridge, but I might be mistaken. It was certainly a game he came on, he played almost as a striker, so it just sort of shows you that he'll, I'm sure he's the professional he is, he'll fit in anywhere, but mm. there's, in all those sort of areas, there's lots of people ahead of him, which is no bad thing. I think it just shows the squad that we've got now is, um, is really uh, solid and there's lots of options. Mm. and. Um, Two or three years ago, Jack, you probably look at the team and you probably look at the bench and think there's nothing on the bench to change the game. Yeah. Where now we've got people sat in the stand who can't even get on the bench. Yeah, 100%. Dava, I was just wondering what you were thinking about this as well. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mark's hit the nail on the head with a couple of things he said there. But, you know, this is one that will definitely, definitely uh, divide many Pools fans. I think for, for me personally, I, I don't dislike him as a player. I've got no reason to. Um, I mean, just in terms of his experience, the knowledge that he, that he brings. I mean, and, and like Mark said, he's such a versatile player. You've seen him play in a post in many different positions. Like Mark said, he right wing back, uh, right midfield, forward, like Mark said. But, I mean, it's it's the stick and stuff he, he gets on, on social media that I think is just, it's just so necessary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, does he play perfectly every time he plays? No, he doesn't. But at the end of the day, who does? I mean, you go back to the new year, Ulhan had a bad run. He, he was still in the starting eleven. Does he get slandered? No, he doesn't. So all you can ask of any player, not just Donaldson, but this this applies to any player, as long as you give your all for the fans, the manager, and you play for the shares, then that's all you can ask of anyone. And, of course, Donaldson in this situation. 
something that I really want to touch on is Henrik Ravas. I know in the previous episode when we confirmed that Ben Killick was out for the remainder of the season, that I would have opted for Ben um, Brad Young. Sorry. Um, since then, there's been the arrival of Brad James from Borough, and I think it, you know it's time for one of them to be given a chance. For me, Ravas he doesn't fill me with confidence. I don't think he commands the box like he should. His distribution for me isn't you know, ideal, especially from watching the Notts County game on BT. He didn't want to get the ball upfield and he really didn't look confident. Mark, do you think Enric Ravas should retain the keeper's shirt moving into tomorrow's clash? I think you probably will and should for the time being. I certainly agree with you about the distribution really from his feet when the ball goes back to him. Mm. Um, there's times when the ball doesn't seem to travel very far. Um, so that, there's certainly an area there that you can identify. I think, talking about Brad Young, I think we have to go with Challenger. He said about Brad Young that uh, the games we're in now are almost make or break games. Mm. Certainly, if we go to the playoffs, they are literally 90 minutes where there is no second chance. Yeah. Um, and if a young lad who's never played a senior game uh, for us, and uh, I'll always play for Blythe Spartans. I don't think anybody's, you know, anybody's seen him, how he's performed. Yeah. Would it be fair to put him in and, you know, the goalkeeper makes a mistake to be on his shoulders? So yeah. I can see why maybe he's not. So I can understand why he brought in the uh, the goalkeeper from Middlesbrough. So I think that the good thing is that that's keeping Ravas knows that he's got real competition yeah. there. So if his performance doesn't convince Chaloner, he has somebody there to put in. As they're both on loan, then it wouldn't affect our how many players we can play because obviously the one would just drop off the squad entirely. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think Ravas has done anything to deserve being dropped. I think if you were to drop him, I think it'd be a difficult conversation to say to him, "Well, what's he done wrong?" When really, you know, I understand what you said in certain aspects of his game, but I think we'll we'll, we'll stick with him for the time being and hopefully his confidence grows the more he plays because. He he was he, he didn't miss about three or four months of playing and, and as we've got no reserve football, it's difficult that he's you know, he's been trained and known as a form of Ben Killip. There's nine times that tell he's not gonna play. You know, he's waiting for opportunity for more likely unfortunately what happened to Killip injury. So I think we've got to give him a little bit of time and uh, and hopefully he grows into, you know, playing regularly and these, these issues that you've mentioned and you're quite right to, you know, he can improve on an iron out. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point that you actually raise about the experience there. Me and Davo discussed that in the last podcast. I think, as you said as well, we haven't seen Brad Young play. He comes very highly rated though, so it's difficult to think, you know, if someone's rating him that highly, why aren't we giving him a chance? Um, but I think in terms of what you said about experience and uh, these big games, it's it's something that DC will have definitely taken into consideration. And uh, that's probably why he has opted for Ravas. And hopefully we can, you know, see him improve in a pool shirt with his confidence. And I'm sure the fans will be behind him 110%. Well, as I say, if they're, if they're not now, Jack, then I don't, you know, I don't know when. You know, we've we've got this momentum. You saw mm. the last the last home game, the end of the home game. There was fans outside the ground and making noise. That surely transmits itself to the to the players. You know, even though they see things on social media, actually seeing supporters outside the ground, hearing them, mm. maybe you know that starts to to bring it to them. Um, 
what effect they're having. And I know that um, you know there's times when we've been probably both been in the ground where yes, we know the crowd can can get a bit edgy and mm. can you know they, they, they can make things difficult. But I, I always look at it and think, well, it's, you have to balance that and think, well, it's hard when you've been watching. 10 years of dross yeah you know it's hard it's it's, it's also easy to say well you know you should be this you should be that you're thinking it's it's trying to break that unfortunate mm. years and years of disappointment um but i feel you know, under the manager we've got the players we've got the the football club and the supporters you know they're starting to, starting to fall in love with each other again yeah for sure you've hit the nail on the head there as people are aware, on the 29th of April this year, the 2019-2020 Hyper United accounts were published in the public domain, more so Twitter. And so now we will take you through probably the main pointer and the main bit from this bit of news, which is, in my opinion, is that Chairman Raj Singh has been able to cut the losses of the club down quite a bit to £323,000, with losses totalling over £2.5 million. However, this is quite astounding and quite significant, really, when you take it back to the 18-19 season, when Pools had losses of over £900,000. The accounts do state, however, that Clarence 18 Limited, which, for those who don't know, is Rajing's holding company, uh, provided Pools with loans of 700000 during the 1920 campaign. That was up from £676,565 during the previous season. So, as of July 2020, the club owe £2.25 million to Clarence 18 Limited. Now, Mark, this makes for positive reading, you think, in some ways, especially when you look back at the last year with the pandemic, but also we've seen the positive impact we're seeing on the pitch at the moment. But what was your initial reaction and how were you feeling, obviously, when you've seen the tweet? Yeah, as you say, we're looking at that. We uh, we can see also that the they've reduced the staff numbers by fifty nine people. Um, so there's obviously there's obviously a, a shame to see staff having to be laid off. Um, we look at this, the loans, like you say. Um, as I say, he's, lo- he's loaning the football club the money. Obviously, there's people who um, suspicious of that. There's always going to be, unfortunately. Um, rightly or wrongly, the, the the loans is given. The problem is, well, you know, there's no, there was nobody else at the time. As far as we know, there's been nothing else come up in the meantime. So he has to keep those loans coming in to prop the football club up. Um, hopefully, you know, he's he's looking to see if we can get in the football league, which would give us more money back. Um, but the, it is a quite a significant saving. Um, and that's something that we've we've got to be grateful for that he's not having to put as much money in as he has previously. Um, but we'll uh, we'll sort of see what the next sort of twelve months brings, and hopefully we um, once we get staff back in the ground and whatnot, we see how it's going to work. But uh, it, it is a big saving, and there's some some saving grace there. We're going to head now to tomorrow's National League clash with Maidenhead United at Victoria Park. Kickoff is, of course, 3pm. This will be the seventh meeting between the clubs. Pools, who have the advantage when it comes to the head-to-heads, winning four of the six previous games and losing the other two. Earlier this season, Pools won the reverse fixture 4-0 down at York Road after an own goal from Alan Macy 
and goals from Claudio Forso, Ryan Johnson and Gavin Houlihan. But taking a closer look now at our visitors and the Magpies come to the northeast on the back of a 2-2 home draw against Wrexham. They also arrive here only winning one of their last six away games, drawing three and losing two. But just before I do go on and state the top goal scorer, I do just want to disclaim that I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation. So I do apologise in advance if I do get it wrong. But their top goal scorer this time is Danilo Orsi Dadomo, who has scored 16 goals in 32 games. And just to note, streaming is back tomorrow on Insight as usual, as well as the free live commentary available on Mixler, featuring Alex Chandy and former post defender Peter Hartley. Mark, can I ask you for your prediction? And then, Jack, can you please let us know what you're feeling going into tomorrow? Uh, well, I'm going to predict a 2-0 win for, for Coles. Um, hopefully, maybe his resorts might get a double, but uh, I'll, I'll start to what my prediction is. Yeah, for me, going into tomorrow, I think we will bounce back, you know, from that minor blip we had on Monday. I'm going for a 3-1 win. Not entirely sure, but I have a feeling if Harvey Saunders gets his start or feature that, I think he's going to get his first first goal for the club tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm going for a 3-1 win, comfortable, and uh, hopefully we can keep moving forward. Yeah, uh, and just before we end there, I, I'm going to go 2-1. Um, don't want to be too pessimistic, but if, if, if you know, Dave Chandler is forced into changes, then you know, we, we might lose that little bit of consistency that we've had playing that regular 11. So, but I'll keep positive and, and, and stay with, with two on pulls. And moving on now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Richie Bennis. And like we've seen on the 20th of April uh, this year, it was confirmed by Hartley United that, that he would return back to his parent club Stockport after they took up the recall option that was binded into his contract. But despite only being here for a short period of time, he won't be forgotten about any time soon. That's for sure as he made quite the impression both on and off the pitch. The striker who scored five goals in two starts and two substitute appearances. He also became the first Hartlepool player to score a league hat-trick since Roy O'Donovan, another lone star, back in 2010 against, we think, the newly relegated Southend United. Now, despite only playing four games during his time here, Mark, how vital did Richie Bennett become for us? It was pretty important because at the time we had um, Luke Armstrong not really finding the back of the net. He was having a, you know, it's a bit unfair to call a bare patch, but he had a few games where he didn't score. So we had somebody there who was able to come in and hit the, frankly, hit the ground running. This this after Stockport, well, you know, it usually happens to supporters, um, didn't paint him a glowing reference when we signed him. Um, but he hit the ground running and showed a, a different, a different sort of way for us to play. We had somebody up front who could compete airily, um, strong player, good touch. Um, he, he made a real big impact to score some important goals. When you look at the equaliser of Boreham Wood that he got, and the second goal against Notts County um, were particularly important. And obviously the the hat trick against Weymouth was uh, the ice on the cake for him. But you know. As loan signings go, he he's certainly up there with the the best in recent years that we've had. You mentioned Roy O'Donovan. I can confirm that game because I can remember it. Um, should show my age, but I remember him scoring a hat trick in the good old days that we look back on now. Um, but yeah, he certainly won't remember. There's been quite a few in the last few years that you, you'd rather forget, but we won't forget him. 
Yeah, I, I think he, I've just got to echo what you've said there, Mark. He, he was a player that really helped us, you know, and when he was up there playing with Reese Oates, etc., you know, the flick on, when he first came on, on his first ever game and he was winning them flick ons, you know, I, I thought he was going to be a key player and he, he surely, you know, proved that to us. Um, Stockport, I think, you know, whoever decided that that deal was a good idea for them um, quickly realised that as soon as it was possible, they'd have him back. Um, so, in the, you know, Stockport fans were laughing at us um, when they called him back as if, it, you know, it was costing us everything. At the end of the day, he's come along, he's scored key goals, he's got his key results, and if anything, he's benefited us, not them. Finally, Pools fans, best on the planet. Thousandth season ticket was snapped up yesterday morning after just two weeks. It shows yet again the unbelievable backing. Hopefully many of those will be in the ground come August and potentially even watching Football League level once again. I think this just really shows how incredible the fan base is. Davo, I know you've snapped up yours, but Mark, is there anything you'd like to just say about the sales or you know anything about uh, along those lines of support that we have? Well, I think... It's incredible, really. I mean, the support we've had for many, many years so, is incredible. It's defied our league position, mm. our, our how, what lack of success we've had. It, it's unbelievable. But I think since Dave Charlton has come in um, and the football we've played and the, you know, success in the fact that we're seeing good football and we're, we're most weeks we're, we're pretty satisfied with our lot, mm. the people are buying into it. Um, they can see they can see that his recruitment, football recruitment's nine tenths of the law, and they can see that Dave Challoner, you know, knows the player, really, really gets it wrong. Mm. So, a thousand season tickets, I've, I've yet to get mine. I'll be getting I'll be getting mine next week. You know, there's no, I don't have any doubts that if we're allowed two thousand, three thousand, you know, we'll pretty much we'll pretty much sell those because I'm hoping that. Rather than putting people off by being worried about the coronavirus, once things are, are getting back to normal, that people will just be desperate to go back to football. They won't be worried or frightened. They just want to get back to, to watching football. And I'm, I'm hoping that you know we'll see the uptake and even and even more tickets. Um, and come the last game of the season, we'll get a taste of what that atmosphere can be like again. Yeah. Thank you for that, Mark. And that wraps up uh, everything for today. Um, so, as always, thank you for listening and thank you for your continued support, Mark. It is very much appreciated having your expert insights. And we, without doubt, will have you on here once again very soon in the future. And if you haven't already, then please do make sure to follow us on Twitter at HFC Chat, where you can keep up to date with all things polls and all news relating to this podcast. And we are on Facebook as well, at Hartlepool United News. So smash the like button on there as well, as we are trying to close in on 1,000 likes. But as always, keep the faith, never say die. And he's hoping for a big three points tomorrow. See you guys in the next one. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.